Section 2 of The Bubonic Plague This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Bubonic Plague by A. Mitra The London Epidemic of 1665 the following graphic and interesting account of the great london epidemic of sixteen sixty five is taken from sir william guy's book on public health i now turn for a more exact account of the plague of sixteen sixty five to the work of dr nathaniel hodges a fellow of the royal college of physicians resident in the city and as his book shows in active practice among the victims of the disease Dr. Monk, in his role of the Royal College of Physicians of London, says that he acquired a great name among the citizens of London, that he remained at his post and continued in unremitting attendance on the sick, and that during the latter part of his life he received a regular stipend from the City of London for the performance of his charitable office. Dr. Hodges tells us that about the close of 1664, two or three persons died suddenly with the symptoms of the plague in one family at westminster that some timid neighbours of theirs took fright and removed into the city of london carrying the taint of pestilence with them whereby the disease which existed only in a family or two gained strength and spread abroad and for want of confining the persons first seized with it the whole city was in a little time irrecoverably infected in december a hard frost set in which lasted three months and during that time very few died of the plague but the disease was not extinguished for in the middle of the christmas holidays the doctor was called to a young man in a fever who after two days had two risings about the bigness of a nutmeg one on each thigh with a black hue and a circle around them by these and subsequent symptoms he judged it to be a case of plague it did not prove fatal when the frost broke the disease gained ground and extended into several parishes and the authorities issued an order to shut up all the infected houses so as to prevent ingress and egress to give effect to this order the houses of the infected were to be marked with a red cross and to carry the inscription lord have mercy upon us and a guard was set whose duty it was to hand food and medicine to the sick and to prevent them from going abroad till forty days after their recovery in spite of these harsh measures the plague more and more increased nor will this surprise us if we imagine the frantic and successful efforts that must have been made by the non-infected to escape and the temptation to servants and nurses to appropriate and remove the property of the dying and dead indeed dr hodges accuses the nurses of strangling their patients and secretly conveying the pestilential taint from sores of the infected to those who were well and he justifies his accusation of these abandoned miscreants the gamps and prigs of the seventeenth century by two instances one of a nurse who as she was leaving the house of a family all dead loaded with her robberies fell down dead under her burden in the streets the other of a worthy citizen 
who being suspected of dying by his nurse was beforehand stripped by her but recovered again he came a second time into the world naked in spite of the well-intentioned measures of the authorities the plague continued through may and june with more or less severity sometimes in one place sometimes in another till the people becoming thoroughly frightened flocked out of town in crowds but the disease raged with redoubled fury among those that remained then the authorities bestirred themselves to the utmost they instituted a monthly fast and the king commanded the college of physicians to write somewhat in english that might serve as a general directory the college not only obeyed the royal commands by inventing a plague water consisting of a cordial distilled off from a vinous infusion of a score of very harmless roots leaves and flowers but also appointed two of their number to cooperate with two chosen from among the aldermen in attending the infected while dr glisson regis professor of cambridge and doctors paget wharton berwick and brooks volunteered their help with many others who survived and eight or nine who fell victims to their self-devotion among whom dr conyers received honourable mention still in the face of every precaution the plague continued its work of destruction especially among the common people so as to be called the poor's plague and in august and september completely got the mastery so that three four or five thousand died in a week and once eight thousand and here i will follow dr hodge's example and try to give you some idea of the state of things then prevailing but in doing so i must shorten and tone down his description in some houses he says carcasses lay waiting for burial in others persons in their last agonies in one room might be heard dying groans in another the ravings of delirium and near at hand relations and friends bewailing their loss and their own dismal prospects death was the sure midwife to all children and infants passed immediately from the womb to the grave some of the infected ran about staggering like drunken men and fell down dead in the streets or they lay there comatose and half dead some lay vomiting as if they had drunk poison others fell dead in the market in the act of buying provisions the plague spared no order age or sex the divine was taken in the very exercise of his priestly office and the physician while administering his own antidote and though the soldiers retreated and encamped out of the city the contagion followed and vanquished them many in their old age others in their prime most women and still more children perished and it was not uncommon to see an inheritance pass successively to three or four heirs within as many days there were not sextons enough to bury the dead the bells ceased tolling the burying places were full so that the dead were thrown into large pits dug in waste ground in heaps thirty or forty together and those who attended the funerals of their friends one evening were often carried the next to their own long home this is written of a time when the worst had not yet happened it was about the beginning of september that the disease was at its height then fires were ordered to be burnt in the streets for three days together 
but before the time had expired they were extinguished by heavy rains which ushered in the most fatal night of all with its register of more than four thousand deaths from this its culminating point the plague by leisurely degrees declined and before the number infected decreased its malignity began to relax insomuch that few died and those chiefly such as were ill-managed dr hodges distinctly states that the pestilence did not stop for want of subjects but from the nature of the distemper its decrease was like its beginning moderate early in november people grew more healthful and though the funerals were still frequent yet many who had made most haste in retiring made the most to return insomuch that in december they crowded back as thick as they had fled the houses were again inhabited the shops reopened and people went cheerfully to their work the rooms in which a short time before infected persons had breathed their last were peopled afresh and many went into their beds before they were even cold or cleansed from the stench of the disease they had the courage now to marry again and even women before deemed barren were said to prove prolific so that although the contagion had carried off as some computed about a hundred thousand after a few months their loss was hardly discernible but the next spring there appeared some remains of the contagion which was easily conquered by the physicians and the whole malignity ceased the city returned to perfect health as after the great fire a new city suddenly arose out of the ashes of the old much better able to stand the like flames another time end of section two recording by alan mapstone